Hi, I'm Brad Constantine, and this is a Come Follow Me podcast of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Although this is not an official podcast of the church, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. This year's study is the Book of Mormon. Each week, a new summary podcast of that week's Book of Mormon chapters will be released. But if you want a more detailed analysis of each individual chapter, those will also be available to listen to. I hope this Come Follow Me resource will be helpful to you. As always, you can subscribe to this podcast so you'll be notified each week of a new episode. I hope you like this uh, format. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to the Come Follow Me lesson, Book of Mormon lesson number four. This is going to be for the period January 20th through the 26th, and it will be covering 1 Nephi chapters 11 through 15. So uh, this is, again, uh, Nephi's vision that he's having, and uh, this is a very significant kind of uh, the central focus of the Book of Mormon is the results of this vision that he's having. Uh, so this is a very, very important uh, section here that we're covering. All right, uh, so to begin with, Moroni, um, Nephi is taken to an exceedingly high mountain, it mentions in verse 1, uh, one that he had not seen before. Uh, oftentimes prophets are taken either to mountains or or into temples where they see heavenly visions, and uh, this is what's happening here. Moroni, uh, I keep saying Moroni, Nephi keeps uh, seeing uh, the things that his father had seen, and in these chapters, uh, we see a lot more than what he reported about before that, that Lehi had seen, so obviously this is uh, quite a panoramic vision that Nephi's having here. Uh, he sees the tree that his father saw and gets an explanation of that. Elder Holland made this comment about the tree of life. He said, the images of Christ and the tree are inextricably linked. At the very outset of the Book of Mormon, Christ is portrayed as the source of eternal life and joy, the living evidence of divine love and the means whereby God will fulfill his covenant with the house of Israel and indeed the entire family of man. And uh, that's as he's talking about... Um, the tree of life in verse 8 of chapter 50, uh, chapter 11. So then uh, in 11, in verse 11, uh, Nephi is asked uh, if he knows the interpretation thereof, and he asks the angel to give him that interpretation. He sees in verse 13, uh, the Virgin Mary, uh, that she lives in Nazareth. Uh, and then there's an important question that is asked in verse 16. Knowest thou the condescension of God? Now there's there's two mentions or two purposes or two definitions here of condescension of God. One has to do with um, Heavenly Father um, coming down and becoming the literal father of Jesus Christ through a mortal woman, mortal mother. And the other condescension of God <clears throat> is Christ coming from his premortal existence as a God, coming down to earth as a mortal. And he's condescending uh, down to, uh, to become a mortal like us. And so that's what he's talking about. Verse 21 mentions about the Lamb of God being the Son of the Son of God, the Eternal Father, and he's the literal Son of God. Uh, not It's not figurative, it's literal. Verse 22, he mentions that the love of God is shed forth abroad. And when he mentions the, the love of God, uh, again, he's talking about the Savior and his atonement. Verse 26 is the other part of the condescension of God that he's talking about here. Uh, and that's Christ fulfilling his mission uh, as a mortal upon the earth. Uh, he mentions in verse um, 29 that there were 12 others that follow him. Now we know that uh, it mentions, it uses the word disciples when it talks about the 12 uh, in, in the Americas, but we also know that those are 12 apostles, not just disciples, but 12 apostles just like the apostles in the old world. 
And down to verse, or chapter 12 then, Nephi sees the land of promise. He sees the land that uh, the Nephites and the Lamanites are upon, the Americas. Uh, he sees um, in verse 4, uh, the mist of darkness. He saw lightnings and, and thunderings. He's seeing the events that are going to happen uh, at the crucifixion of Christ. And uh, he sees probably what looks like a giant earthquake here. And uh, as Hugh Nibley mentions, that this sounds like it's probably an 8 on the Richter scale. Uh, because of all the events that are happening as far as the, the darkness, the trembling of the earth, the rocks being rent in, in fragments and seams and so on. Uh, all of that sounds like an, an 8 on the Richter scale. Uh, he sees again, verse 8, the, the 12 going forth uh, to minister to the Nephites. And uh, again, those are apostles. In verse 12, he sees that four generations are going to pass away in righteousness, but then wickedness are, is going to happen again upon the earth, upon the earth among the Nephites, and uh, that there will be uh, lots of destructions and wars, and and uh, that they will dwindle in unbelief. In chapter 13, uh, this one has more to do with um, the Gentiles, a church being set up, also about um, the loss of the plain and precious things out of the scriptures. Uh, in verse 3, he says, these are the nations and kingdoms of the Gentiles. Now remember that the Book of Mormon comes forth among the Gentiles. Verse 4, he sees um, a nation of, of the Gentiles forming a great church. And uh, this is not any specific church. This is in, this is a church that's founded by the devil here. Uh, but a but church in this regard has to do more with uh, anything that... Um, is against the church. Elder McConkie made this comment. He said, the great and abominable church or church of the devil are expressions used to identify all churches or organizations of whatever name or nature, whether political, philosophical, educational, economic, social, fraternity, fraternal, civic, or religious, God and his laws, and thus from salvation in the kingdom of God. Um, this is anything that goes away from those. Any church or organization of any kind, whatever, which satisfies the innate religious longings of man and keeps him from coming to the saving truths of the gospel and his gospel is, there nor, is therefore not of God. So that's what he's talking about here, is that this foundation or this formation of a church, which is any organization that leads us away from the gospel of Jesus Christ, is the church of the devil that he's talking about here. Um, also down to verse um, 6, he mentions again that it's the, the devil is the founder of it, and it's based upon, in verse 7, gold and silver, fine twine linen, and so on. Uh, and then verse 9, that they try to destroy the saints of God, um, and that they're trying to do that. Verse 12, I looked and beheld a man among the Gentiles who was separated from the seed of my brethren by the many waters, and I beheld the Spirit of God that it came down and wrought upon the man. Here we're talking about Christopher Columbus. Uh, that's going to come forth on eight, on October the 12th of 1492 at 2 in the morning on a very clear, uh, bright night um, with a brilliant moon uh, that Columbus landed in what may have been either St. Kitt or San Salvador, uh, an island in the Caribbean. Uh, so America was discovered. Now, it's interesting that October 12th, uh, is around, again, the same time frame as the Day of Atonement or the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, very symbolic or s similar to the Savior's second coming. Uh, it would be in the fall uh, or around the, the Day of Atonement or Feast of Tabernacles time frame. Uh, so Christopher Columbus's uh, discovery may be symbolic of the Savior's uh, return. Now, in talking about Christopher Columbus, that the Spirit uh, wrought upon him, 
Christopher Columbus himself made the comment um, that he was fitted for the task. Um, he said, those who heard of my emprise called it foolish, mocked me and laughed. But who can doubt but that the Holy Ghost inspired me? Um, and then again, he says in another time, he says, I came to your majesty, meaning uh, Ferdinand, as the emissary of the Holy Ghost. So he firmly believed that he had been led by the, by the Holy Ghost or by the Spirit of God to, to do his, uh, his deed of, of finding uh, this new route to, uh, to the Americas. Verse 13 talks then again about other Gentiles. And these are, we know, to be the pilgrims and the Puritans that came to America. Uh, and other Gentiles that are going to be coming to this land. Um, verse 17, I beheld that their mother Gentiles were gathered together. This is about the uh, uh, Revolutionary War and those that are going to fight against uh, the Americas, uh, the people that fight against them. Uh, down to verse 20, he mentions a book that comes forth that they're going to carry forth with them. And we know that that to be the Bible as the Puritans and the, those that came to the colonies of America brought their scriptures with them, uh, brought the Bible. Uh, verse 23 mentions that this is going to be a, a record of the Jews, uh, which is what it was or what it is. Um, and in verse 25, it says that they that they came forth from the Jews in purity unto the Gentiles, according to the truth. Uh, but then because of the combinations and wicked practices and so on, that they take the truth away from it. Um, all right, down to verse uh, 29. After these plain and precious things were taken, uh, it goeth forth unto all nations. Uh, then he mentions uh, in verse 30 uh, that the Gentiles uh, who have gone forth out of captivity um, go to the land of their, of their new inheritance. Therefore, they see the Lord will, will not suffer the Gentiles to utterly destroy the mixture of thy seed, meaning there will still be remnants of the Nephites and the Lamanites on the American continent, um, even with the coming of the Gentiles to America. Verse, nine, verse 31, neither will he suffer that the Gentiles shall destroy the seed of thy brethren. So the Lamanites and the Nephites are going to still exist. Uh, verse 34, then he talks about um, that the gospel will come among the Gentiles. Uh, he says that uh, much of my gospel, which shall be plain and precious. Uh, so this is the coming forth of the Book of Mormon among the Gentiles, meaning among a Gentile nation, and that it will come to them first. Uh, Moroni buried the plates in America, and uh, that's where it's going to come forth from. Verse 35, uh, these things shall be hid up to come forth unto the Gentiles by the gift and power of the Lamb. Uh, verse 36, and in them shall be written my gospel, saith the Lamb and my rock. Uh, and my salvation, meaning that the revelation will come forth from the Book of Mormon uh, and it will go to the inhabitants of the earth from a Gentile nation. Uh, verse 40 then talks about uh, these last records, that there will be other records that come forth, not just the Book of Mormon, but Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, inspired version of the Bible that will also come forth. These uh, will bear testimony to the Bible and the truth that will establish the truth again. Verse 41 talks about that there will be one God and one shepherd over all the earth. And uh, Joseph Smith's translation of the Bible helps restore many of the plain and precious things that were uh, lost from the Bible. First uh, Nephi chapter 14 continues the vision that uh, Nephi is having. Um, he mentions again about the church of the devil or the church of the great and abominable in verse 3, uh, that it will go forth in, uh, among the people. Um, verse 4, behold, this is according to the captivity of the devil, uh, down to verse uh, 10. 
Um, he, behold, there are two two churches only. The one is the church of the Lamb of God, and the other is the church of the devil. This is, kind of goes along with the quote that I read earlier by Elder McConkie, that if it's not uh, the church of Jesus Christ, then it's uh, and it's not uh, sanctioned by the Lord and uh, is uh, of the of the devil. Uh, with the establishment of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the restoration of priesthood in its keys, there was once again an organization on earth with the authority to preach the gospel and administer in the ordinances thereof. It is by divine testimony the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth. And this is the kingdom that Daniel saw, which was set up, a kingdom set up without hands. Going forth, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the kingdom of God on the earth. Um, also, uh, verse 12, it mentions uh, that it came to pass that the church of the Lamb was small in numbers. Uh, even though the church may have a hundred million or hundreds of millions of people, it will still be in comparison to the rest of the world fairly small, especially with the billions of people that are upon the earth today. Uh, but he also mentions that uh, in verse 12 that they go, uh, that they were upon all the face of the earth. So the congregations of the church will be throughout the world. And that's what we're seeing happening today. Verse 14, it came to pass that Nephi beheld the Lamb of God, or the power of the Lamb of God, that had descended upon the saints of the church of the Lamb and uh, the covenant people who were scattered upon all the face of the earth. So even though they may not be uh, in America, that they will be in their Zions uh, scattered throughout the world. So every country will have its own Zion, uh, which will be where the saints are. Then as we go down into verse uh, 20, uh, Nephi sees an, a, another one. He says, the angel said to me, behold, one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he's talking here about uh, this apostle that's going to see the same thing that John or that Nephi sees. Um, verse 24, behold, the things which this, this apostle of the Lamb shall write are many things which thou hast seen. And behold, the remainder shalt thou see. But the things which thou shalt see hereafter, thou shalt not write. For the Lord God hath ordained the apostle of the Lamb to be that he should write them. So this is not going to be written by Nephi. The remainder of the vision is not going to be written by Nephi, but will be written by this other apostle. And uh, he said that uh, once these things are written, Nephi is going to be able to see the vision, but he's just not going to be able to write it down to come forth. And so that these things will be sealed up and will come forth at a, at a later time. Uh, we know that this apostle that uh, Nephi is seeing here is John, the same that's John the Revelator, John the Beloved. It says in verse 27, I, Nephi, bear record that the name of the apostle of the Lamb was John, according to the word of the angel. Uh, verse 28, that he was forbidden that he should write the remainder of the things. Um, and so uh, we're wondering, though, if even though he wasn't allowed to write the remainder of the vision, if he didn't do it uh, in some of the writings of Isaiah, uh, so he may have written it in a different way. So let's go down to chapter 15, 1 Nephi 15. Uh, this is the last chapter for this particular section. Um, he's seeing in verse 7, he, he talks about the natural branches of the olive tree. So we wonder if uh, maybe Nephi was reading from the brass plates, uh, which he gets, uh, which Jacob is going to read later on in, in his uh, discussion. Um, so down to verse um, 14, at that day, shall the remnant of our seed, in other words, the Lamanites and the Nephites, uh, know that they are of the house of Israel. And so one of the purposes of the Book of Mormon is to convince the Jew, Jew and Gentile, and especially the Lamanites, that they are of the house of Israel and that the Book of Mormon is going to go forth to them. Um, 
As uh, Millet McConkie once said, it is a doctrinal restoration that is promised. The possession of lands is of little importance when compared to the possession of the truths of salvation. The Lamanites are to have restored to them the knowledge that they are of the house of Israel and as such are rightful heirs of the promises made to the fathers. Of even greater importance, they are to come to a knowledge of Christ and the saving principles of his gospel as he himself preached those principles to their fathers in this choice land. And so that's what uh, the restoration here is. Is not just to lands, but also to the gospel, uh, that they'll know more about the gospel as the gospel is preached to them. Um, and so Nephi continues his, his vision here. Um, and then at the last verse, he says, Wherefore the wicked are rejected from the righteous, and also from that tree of life, whose fruit is most precious and most desirable above all other fruits. Yea, and it is the greatest of all the gifts of God. And uh, that's the end of uh, the vision that he has to, uh, to and it, that he's explaining to his brothers. Um, I bear testimony to the truth of these things, that uh, this tree of life vision that Nephi sees here is, is uh, critical to the story, to the uh, restoration of the gospel, that it is of the Savior and his atoning sacrifice. And uh, that this is, again, translated material that we're reading. Uh, this is not written by Joseph Smith, but it's translated by the power of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. See you at the next time. Bye.